Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world. It's painful and heartbreaking, but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a really great guest that has just written a book called On the Ledge, and our guest today is author Amy Turner, and she has a really unique, interesting, beautiful, hard story about many aspects of grief and loss and trauma, but mostly about resilience and grit. And she and I spoke a little bit before this podcast, and there was a lot of hard stuff that she went through that she'll discuss, but there was also a lot of gifts that she has come to find through what would would be known for most of us as a pretty rough run the past 20 or 30 years. So Amy, thank you so much for joining. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I, I want to start by, obviously this is a grief podcast, but mm-hmm. we're trying to talk about stuff that's not only grief related, but the gifts and the insights that we get from hard times. We all are, most of us are very clear on what it feels like to be in the hard spots, but what we are interested in here is what what are the, what are some of the bright spots also so can you can you just start at the beginning with your father and your experience with him as a young child because i do want to talk a little bit about how we help kids through trauma and mm. the secrets we keep so please yeah i'd be glad to well one of the main themes and events of my precipitating events in my book relates to an experience that i had when i was four and a half my father had been depressed. Of course, I didn't know that as a four and a half year old. And he climbed out of his hotel window on a business trip and was standing on the ledge contemplating a jump for 20 minutes. A priest who was just a passerby ran upstairs and talked to him and was able to talk him off the ledge. There, there's a gift, <laughs> a beautiful bit of grace. Uh, in any event, my father then was hospitalized for a year, but at four and a half, all I knew was that my father was there one day and was not there the next and wasn't there for a year. And that was kept secret from me and the family until I was 16 when a psychologist asked my mother, why was I so worried about my mother? I mean, my father. And as a four-year-old, of course, I didn't know what happened, but children absorbed 
the atmosphere of the home and the tension and the distress and the worry and the anxiety. And I think one of the problems, of course, with a four and a half year old, you're not going to tell them exactly what happened. But as I got older, you start to make up your own stories to explain what all the tension, the worry, being on hypervigilant. And then you start to feel responsible for whatever's going on because you don't know, you don't know what's going on. So secrets can have really have a damaging impact. Although I understand where my mother was coming from with four children and a husband in a mental hospital, and she was an active alcoholic. She needed to get sober and that was the best she could do. She got herself sober, but she wasn't able to find a way to talk about it with her children. Yeah. You know, I have um, a couple and we've just started talking about suicide on the podcast because it's the one area that I feel the least equipped because it, on some level it feels intentional. So some of the, the rituals and the practices and the thoughts that I have that make sudden death more beautiful doesn't match with someone's experience that has had suicide in their family. And I, you know, it's a different, it's a whole different experience because there was some agency there. It feels like there was some agency. And I actually probably should have someone on at some point that has had, that has had an attempted suicide attempt. So I can really understand what does go through someone's head because we don't know that, but I do know, and you and I spoke about this when we're talking about death or attempted death, there's this really fine line with children to somehow soothe their inner consciousness that says something's wrong here and what you're saying doesn't match. Mm-hmm. And you just overloaded me with too much information for my age. And I don't really have the sweet spot. I know for me, I told everything right away to my kids. And now it's almost been five years. And like my daughter's just starting to process it, just starting to process the trauma, mm-hmm. just starting to understand what she saw. Uh, because kids have magical thinking until they're about mm-hmm. nine. So they don't really know where did dad go. And I'm so I assume for you all, your first experience of grief was probably twofold. And, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. Your mom is now a single mother and overwhelmed with four children. And back then, they didn't have the resources or the support that we all have now with communities. Mm-hmm. And then your father was there one day, and I assume you adored your father, and then he was gone. Right. What did, where did they tell you he went? I, I don't remember being told anything, but I do, you know, eventually we got notes from him and I heard the word hospital. So as children do, in the beginning, I thought, well, hospital, doctor, he's learning to become a doctor. And then I remembered he complained about his knees. So I thought he was having a knee operation. And so I didn't really know. And I think he did send us some beautiful notes from the hospital eventually, which was talk about a gift. You know, I still have them and they're wonderful, perfectly written for the level of a four and five-year-old. But the hardest part was when he got back and there was all this worry about not getting him upset, not getting him angry. And so from my mother's perspective, because she didn't want him to become suicidal or go into a depression, but from a child's point of view, it's like, what's wrong with dad? And it always felt like life or death to me, getting him upset. I had no idea about suicide, but it had such, she was conveying implicitly that there were serious consequences. So constantly watching yourself, did I say this? Maybe I did that. 
so at a certain point, and I agree, and I'm by no means an expert and I have no idea really what the proper thing to do is, but at a certain point, you just don't want the child to feel responsible. Right. That's really interesting because a lot of times people have to go away now for depression or for rehab or, you know, we're so much more aware of mental health now. And because of that, then we have places where people can go Mm -hmm. and there's, there's a lot less shame tied to it. But as a kid, when they come back into your house, when they're reintegrating, my brother-in-law is sober 14 years, the reintegration of defining a family again, when somebody has been through something where they had to take a hiatus from regular life Mm. is one of the trickiest things because the relationships have to be rebuilt. This is a new version that's come home and the fear of it happening again is so pervasive. Mm. And still to this day, when I see my brother-in-law, I'm like, please God, like it it still hasn't, I mean, 14 years and I still don't trust. So I imagine for a kid and without having the words of, you know, your mom wasn't able at the time to say to you at six, you know, daddy gets, when daddy gets sad, it's really, it's really harder for him than for some other people. His body gets sadder, his mind gets more scared, and we just want to do our best to help him. But you be a kid. And of course you're going to upset him sometimes. And dad and I will work that out. You be a kid. But nobody said that. (laughs) No. Oh my God. Absolutely not. I mean, nothing even close. And to even add to the dynamic in the family. My sister is five years older and she knew what had happened, but she was sworn to secrecy. So there were just layers of layers of unspoken worry and distress. And, you know, at the time, as you're pointing out, I mean, this was 1957 and the shame around suicide and mental illness and no one talked about that so understandable and even had a real understanding and from my mother's perspective AA was just starting so there wasn't a lot of really understanding I don't think of how to deal with it with children yeah she was just gritting her teeth white knuckling her way through it and you know she kept the family intact and uh, we all grew up and my father didn't attempt suicide again so in the end, you know, it was a success, but of course we all kind of paid a price and had to deal with it. Yeah. So let's, let's fast forward to the, well, let's, let's put a a note that the trauma that you experienced as a kid and the secrets and the, what do they say in AA, you're only as sick as as your secrets. And so they get stored somewhere. I talk about this all the time. The trauma Mm. is in your children, even if they're not showing it at the time, we get to carry that until we are equipped to deal with it. That's just how it works. And the body keeps score. And every little thing that happens to kids that you think they don't notice, if they don't notice mentally, they notice it physically and they just store it under their arm or in their leg or for my children, for my daughter, it's in her stomach. And so you are a kid, you've gone through this, you have trauma in you, but you're not at the point where you even understand what that means. Mm. But you've spent most of your life walking on eggshells, which is there anything worse? I don't think so. I mean, there is, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Tell me the big next life event that happened for you. Well, as you say, you know, we do one way or the other, we're carrying that trauma. And I, you know, I'd had a lot of psychotherapy and I have the greatest respect for it. And I'm so grateful. I had a wonderful therapist. So by the time I was 50 or so, I, I had been through my childhood so much. I, you know, cried a lake, 
felt I really understood it, understood my triggers and sort of I I had gotten as far as I could possibly get. And even though I felt deep down some constraints, I thought this is the best I can do and I've come far. <laughs> and then I was on a sunny July day, I was crossing a not busy street and a pedestrian crosswalk and a pickup truck mows me down. I was looking in the windshield. It was shaded. I couldn't see the driver's face, but I thought he must see me. He didn't. I fortunately had no broken bones, no internal injuries, but clearly this was a trauma. And in the course of recovering from that trauma, I another gift, you know, and I should say too, in terms of grief, you know, it was a loss by with my father, maybe it was a it was a loss of emotional stability and security. Facing the truck, it, it was a loss of the sense of physical security and stability. So I ended up with an acupuncturist who started to study somatic experiencing, which is a psycho kind of a psychophysiological technique for releasing stored trauma, just by coincidence. So I kind of went along on this journey with her and sure enough, the tra- recovering from the trauma of the truck and dealing with that kind of loss and grief led me or impelled me to, again, deal with the trauma of my, of, uh, my father's attempted suicide when, in the hospitalization when I was four and a half. I thought I had dealt with it. And no, it, it definitely was still in my nervous system. And through the physical techniques, it really helped me to release it. But I also think it is always an ongoing process. I'm much farther along. But just to just summarize, I always thought it would be through talk, thinking, reasoning, memories that I would get to the bottom of it. And it ended up being through a, you know, a physical technique. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, and as we talk about kind of supporting people through grief, I talk therapy, I think, works for sure. And I have a lot of people that really love it and do it for a long time and have, have great connections with their therapist. You know, with kids, it's really hard because if it's hard for us to talk about it, I don't really know that kids have words to describe oh. what they see or what they experience until they're much older. But I do know that somatic therapy works for kids because I've seen it Ooh. over and over and over again, whether it be through craniosacral where the kids will say, I just don't know what happened, but I feel better or Ooh. God, my stomach hurts after some type of acupuncture. 
And normally that's a cue that something is moving through or the rapid eye movement. I'm actually going to start that with my daughter because we haven't done any trauma work because there weren't any words or anything to say. And you can tell with kids early on, sometimes they'll close their ears when they, they, it's too much and they don't want to talk about it. And that's a really good physical sign that they're not there yet, which I missed many times when I was trying to help my kids and force them to talk about it. And they clearly weren't ready. So it's interesting that when you started doing the acupuncture, somehow when you checked out of your critical mind and your body was able to just be in a state where it could start to release all of the stuff that came up that the four and a half year old, not the 40 year old. Exactly. And it was, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I remember specifically lying there, I had needles in me like usual. And all of a sudden I felt these these tears coming. I felt all this, you know, fear and worry and terror. And then these tears come and I thought I was experiencing, and I couldn't breathe. And I thought I was experiencing the truck coming at me. And then I thought, oh my God, I didn't cry for months until after the truck. I was so kind of frozen. I said, I didn't cry then. What is this? And then it was just this total, you know, physical somatic recognition of that longing and sadness as a child. I realized that's what it is. Boy, it was really surprised me, but it was just so true. I could feel it. I love the idea that you had to get hit by a truck. <laughs> I just love the the nuance of that statement and of that actuality that it felt like I got hit by a truck. I, I mean, absolutely. And, and I it's just so, it's so on the nose. You're like, boy, universe, you're really silly. Like, I love that stuff because those were those sayings came from. It felt like yeah, I got it, hit by a truck. It, right. And, it knocked you know, me down. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I had just, you know, a week before, honestly, I was reading that book. I think it was very popular. Change your brain, change your life. And I thought, oh my God, I just, okay, I did. I just smashed dis- my head dispenser? on the pavement. Was that Joe Dispenza's? But, no, no, I've forgotten the author. the author. I know his name, but it was before. This goes back to say 2010. Okay, um, no, I, I can't remember the author, but yeah. Yes. So I did definitely think about the fact that I literally took hitting my head. And just to add to it, when I was in the hospital and I wasn't there very long, surprisingly, I opened my eyes and I thought I was hallucinating. There were this parade or train of Buddhist monks from like age seven to 80 in saffron robes going in. There was a Buddhist monk who was dying in the hospital. So I really thought, my God, I smashed my head. Now I'm you know, surrounded by Buddhist monks. So Wow, that's, that's it, amazing. It was, yeah. I think too, and you've said, you know, shockingly or out of the blue or things like that. But how much do you believe that the things that have happened aren't, aren't random? I mean, what are your, cause I think uh, somewhere I was reading in the book, you know, accidentally or these words, I kind of, right. I, I don't, I don't know anymore. Like you randomly got hit by a truck or, you know, your dad, you, the, the priest showed up and it was a gift, but it's, right. it's, it's these divine times in life where you go like, how can it be in that exact moment? Uh, you know, absolutely. There was just no doubt to me. At a certain point as I was recovering from the truck and I saw this acupuncturist and we had all these connections, 
turn, you know, we grew up in a town three hours away from where we were. I didn't, you know, know anybody else from my hometown where we're living now. We ended up having the same, loving the same teacher. We wrote essays. We're 17 years apart. There was just all these things. It was crazy. And I just knew, I thought, oh my God, I am just being led. Just let go. My mother loved this, you know, AA expression, let go, let God, because somebody is in charge here. And I don't know the end, which kind of scared me. I didn't know where it was leading, but it felt so powerful. I knew I couldn't see the future, but something was guiding me that knew a lot more than I did. And I do the gratitude. I mean, I don't wish anyone to have a situation with their parent that I did or to get hit by a truck, but the gratitude I, I feel for having these experiences that really felt like grace. They come out of the blue and yet they're all connected and they're leading you. And it right. was really beautiful experience for me. Well, that's amazing that you can see how all of these events kind of tied together at the right time. And even the hard things, all the things that got you to where you are today with a book written about insights that I think are really going to help people. I mean, I I think we're constantly trying to learn, especially as a culture here in the West, how to deal with hard times. And one of the things Americans love to do is keep secrets. Oh. And that's one of our favorite thing. And I think we're start, there is a movement starting to say, like, we can talk about these things. And there's obviously a huge movement that says the hard things in our life are really the, the juiciest ones that if you so choose to come out of them healed, or if it puts you on a path of enlightenment, you wouldn't go back and change it. You wouldn't wish it on anybody. I I think I said in my book, I wouldn't wish this experience on anybody and I wouldn't change it for anything. Yes. Yes. That's a wonderful way to put it. And I would hope that people, even in their, you know, very dark times will have the faith or hold on to the hope that really some beautiful things will come from it. And we can't necessarily predict what they'll be, but there'll yeah. be a lot of gratitude and grace that's experienced. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. What else would you like people to know about your experience or what do you hope the book can well, do? Well, you know, I also just want to mention, since we're talking about grief, that in a way my book was bookended by grief because I hadn't intended to write a book. I was writing a thank you note to a a high school English teacher who had come to my brother's funeral. My brother died a month after the truck accident, another very shocking event, unexpected. And so once I started writing about him and how I felt and what it filled her in on the truck, a channel just opened up that had been blocked my entire life. And all of a sudden I had access to memories, connections, reflections that I never had before. So it was a total freeing of my creativity. So I was writing a thank you note to a high school English teacher for coming to my brother's memorial service. He had died you know, a month after my accident. And it just unleashed this channel of that had been blocked up to that point. And all of a sudden I had access to these connections, memories, reflections. And it was just a flow of creativity that in terms of a gift of grief, it was really astonishing to me. And it was so 
beautiful and really felt like love. And so that was triggered by my grief and love for my brother. And then eventually, you know, I realize I'm writing a memoir and I do and years go by and finish the memoir, decide to publish it. I hadn't told my uh, surviving siblings, my younger brother and my older sister, because I just needed, I wanted to make sure that I was only writing from my voice. I didn't want their perspectives because it was my memoir. So in any event, I was very nervous to tell her and I finally told them I was publishing it and I'd had a complicated relationship with her and she became, she was so incredibly supportive and embracing in a way I never expected. So loving and supportive. It was absolutely wonderful. And then she gets very ill and she dies. And so the memoir, the after effect of the memoir is that it healed that relationship. And now I have this beautiful memory that I can carry forward with her. So I, I feel like the memoir came out of grief and it sort of is helping to resolve grief too. Yeah, it's Amy, it's it's a beautiful story. It sounds like you through every hard time there is some type of uh reconciliation or some type of growth that you have been able to find along the way and I I think writing it all down what a gift for your children and grandchildren and the family to understand kind of the history of how you all got where you are and why, you know, what you learned from it and how we can do things a little bit differently now that we know better. Thank you. And just to add to people, I mean, I hope people read my book and think, you know, it's just never too late. It is never too late to keep working on oneself and to keep to gaining self-understanding and awareness and people will get there just to not give up. Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Go ahead and tell us On the Ledge is available when? Yes, it's a, it's publication date is September 6th. It's available for pre-order now on Amazon or even at your local bookstore, bookshop.org. And then it will ship out on September 6th. Wonderful. Well, congratulations on writing it down. I think uh, there's something so wonderful of getting a story on paper because now it's out in the world to do its thing. Thank you very much. It's been really fun to talk. Yes. Congratulations. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep going. It gets better. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.